Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. This is not a live service that we're uh, conducting. This is a sermon, <laughs> but it's it's full of life because it's full of the Word of God. Jesus said it best when he said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. I've heard many, many people talk about dead churches. What what a terrible thing to associate with a church that's supposed to be alive with resurrection power. A friend of mine, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, more important than celebrating our faith and celebrating the centerpiece of our faith, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be the most celebratory people in all of the world. We should show the most gratitude and honor to God who gave his son and Jesus who gave his life and he wasn't a quick death they're trying to figure out right now here in America uh, a way to for people to be that are sentenced to death to be killed uh, and killed in a humane way a quick way with little or no suffering except maybe the anticipation of dying there's they're trying to find some way to kill people with with immediate death, with no suffering, no languishing. Jesus suffered and died on the cross. He suffered and for six long hours of agony. And his agony was not only that he was in such anguish and pain of crucifixion, but also of feeling abandoned by his Father. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, is what he cried, which being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His heart was broken before it quit beating on the cross. Dear friend of mine, and yet he still prayed in intercession, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While he was on the cross, the song says, we were on his mind. And the scripture goes on to say, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What joy is that? I believe it's the joy of all the people that have have come out of darkness into light, out of Satan's prison house, into God's glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. People that were on their way to hell, that now are on their way to heaven. And they make it to heaven because of what he did on the cross. I believe he looked past the cross to every person who would come to him by faith repenting of their sins and receive salvation. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross while despising the shame. 
friend of mine. Today I want to bring you a message just to reiterate something you probably know by heart if you're a Christian. But if you're a new Christian or if you're not a Christian, this is very important that you understand this. And for we who are Christians and maybe have been Christians for years, we need this reiterated. We need it, need it reaffirmed in our heart and life. The name of this message this morning is Ransomed by the Blood of Jesus. Ransomed, I want, I want you to underscore that in your mind right now. Ransomed by the Blood of Jesus Christ. We know we're redeemed because of the blood. We know we're saved as a result of the blood. But none of that could occur unless we were first ransomed. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what redeemed is all about. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and thou hast redeemed us to God. And here's the price. Here's the ransom. Ransomed us to God. Listen. By thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, we have been redeemed unto God, ransomed unto God, and the ransom price was nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the scriptures tell us in the New Testament that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, once again, ransomed. We were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. The innocent suffering for the guilty. Someone has said it well. Man is alienated from God by sin and God is alienated from man by wrath. David Wells said that, and I agree wholeheartedly. It is in the substitutionary death of Christ that sin is overcome and wrath is averted, so that God can look on man without displeasure and man can look on God without fear. <laughs> sin is expiated and God is propitiated. John R. Stott picks up that quote and makes the following observation about the redemption of sinners. He says, Propitiation focuses on the wrath of God, which was placated by the cross. Redemption on the plight of sinners from which they were ransomed, from which they were ransomed by the cross. And ransom, dear friend, is the correct word to use, because it refers to a process involving release by payment of a ransom price often very costly. We have no liberty to dilute its meaning into a vague and even cheap deliverance. I call it a cheap cross. You know, I heard a story years ago. Some people visited Mexico, and they, they came across this old mission, and there was an old man out there with a table, and he had he had little wooden crosses and a little piece of leather to, to put it around your neck. 
as a as and as a as a memento of of visiting this old mission and he had a sign out front and it said cheap crosses i'm going to tell you every church and every preacher that stands in a pulpit that doesn't talk about proclaim and exclaim how precious the blood of Jesus is. It's not the cross itself. It's the cross where Christ hung and shed His blood. This is what redemption is all about. Cheap crosses will never, ever, ever convey just how powerful Amen. This act of love was that Jesus was, was demonstrating on that cross and how, how absolutely wonderful it is to be redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament property, animals and the nation were all redeemed by the payment of a price. In all these cases of redemption, there was a decisive and costly intervention. Somebody paid the price necessary to free property from mortgage, animals from slaughter, persons from slavery, and even death. Our self-worth, you and I as Christians, is not based on egotism or self-exaltation, nor on accomplishments or abilities or how others view us, but rather the length God was willing to go to save us. It is the price paid for us that gives us such value. There's no singular scriptural idea from Genesis to Revelation more constantly and more prominently kept in view than the words, the blood of Jesus Christ. There can be no approach to God, says Andrew Murray. No fellowship with Him by faith. No enjoyment of His favor apart from the blood. By the institution of the Passover as an enduring ordinance with the words, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The people were taught that life can be obtained only by the death of a substitute. Life was possible for them only through the blood of a life given in their place and appropriated by the sprinkling of that blood. It was in that blood that the covenant had its foundation and power. It is the blood alone that God and man can be brought into covenant fellowship. Without the blood, there could be no access by sinful man to a holy God. On Moriah... The life was redeemed by the shedding of the blood. In Egypt, it was sprinkled on the doorposts of the houses. But at Sinai, (laughs) it was sprinkled on the persons themselves. The contact was closer. The application more personal, more intimate, more powerful. In the new covenant, we spiritually partake of His blood shed for us. His body broken for us. We have equal standing and equal worth because we've been given the same gift. At the foot of the cross, there's no great, there's no small, no rich, no no, no poor, no black, no white, nor all of the spectrum of, of shades of color of man or culture. The foot of the cross, 
We all are redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus. And our value is not based on how far we went in our education, how much money we have acquired, how many accomplishments we've been given. It's the gift that every person who has received, Jesus receives. The gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of of unmerited favor. Hallelujah. The gift of righteousness, the gift of, of a relationship with God where He calls us His sons and daughters and we call Him our Heavenly Father. Praise God. Amen. I like what the columnist Ellen Board recently described in the amazing good fortune of a man named Jack Worm, W-U-R-M. In 1949, Mr. Worm was broke and out of a job. One day he was walking along a San Francisco beach when he came across a bottle with a single paper in it. And it, he, as he read the note, he discovered it was the last will and testament of Daisy Singer Alexander heir to the singer sewing machine fortune. And this is what the note read. Now, this is true story, according to this columnist. To avoid confusion, to avoid confusion, I leave my entire estate to the lucky person who finds this bottle and to my attorney, Barry Cohen, share and share alike. According to Boyd, the courts accepted the theory that the heiress had written the note 12 years earlier, thrown it, and, and had thrown the bottle into the Thames River in London, from which it had drifted across oceans to the feet of a penniless and jobless man, Jack Worm. His chance discovery netted him over $6 million in cash and singer stock. <laughs> How would you... Like, uh, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I don't need to really ask you. I think I know how you would like that. But I'm going to ask you anyway. How would you like to have been making Mr. Worm's footprints on that San Francisco beach? What a find. Now let's compare that with the inheritance that is ours when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. You become an heir with Christ. Your eternal future is secure if you keep your faith in Him. We're partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Hallelujah. Because they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Think about that. Think what you have. Think about what it will mean to you 100 years from now. Think about what it will mean to you 1,000 years from now. Think about what it will mean to you 10,000 years from now. And, and, and on and on and on. Age without end where numbers cannot be, cannot be brought to mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Eternal life, everlasting life, eternal happiness and eternal gratitude, eternal peace. Praise God. These millions of dollars, even billions of dollars, can't compare with what we have in Christ. And none of it can compare with the price that was paid to give it to you and I as Christians as a gift. 
That's why we need to keep going back to the cross, not building on that foundation over and over, but but not laying it rather foundation over and over, but building on it, building a strong life of faith and hope and appreciation and appropriation of that that is ours in Jesus Christ. The scriptures declare that we are heirs of God (laughs) and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And as we consider that this very day, G. Campbell Morgan said this, Every Everything a sinning man needs he finds at the cross. To the intellectual Greeks it was foolishness, something without meaning. And to the Hebrews it was a stumbling block. And that word comes from scandalon. It was a scandal. Something that interferes with progress rather than helping it. The tragedy is that much the same attitude is prevalent in our day. But for those who believe it is salvation, (laughs) he says, Every day I need the cross more. Every day I live this Christian life, I'm more and more conscious that I cannot understand the mystery of all Jesus did, yet more conscious that by the way of the cross, and that cross alone, my wounded heart is healed. My withered soul is renewed, my deformed spirit is built up, and my broken manhood is remade. And every day I live, I sing in my heart with new meaning. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin a double cure. Save from guilt and make me pure. Dear friend, today I want to declare to you, if you are saved today, born again, born from above, we are the children of God, His very sons and very daughters. We have been ransomed and bought with a price, and the price is nothing less than the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We therefore glory in the cross. Hallelujah. And we never, ever, ever take it for granted. It's never just a given. Jesus died for me and I'm saved. No, Jesus died for me. He ransomed my soul. And that's why we give ourselves away. That's the incentive for a life of total devotion to God. Amen. I beseech you by the mercies of God The Apostle says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Some translate that your true spiritual worship. Hallelujah. And be no more conformed to this world. It means don't let the world push you into its mold. The culture wants you to think like the culture, like the culture of this fallen world under the influence of the enemy, of Satan himself. God wants you to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused, and kingdom-oriented. Praise God. He don't want you to have a worldview. He wants you to have a kingdom view so that when you pray in total devotion, you pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Praise God. Amen. From a surrendered heart and a surrendered life, great power in prayer is going to come forth because we will be not my will, thy will, Christians. We will discover the will of God. We will we will acquiesce to the will of God. We will pray for the will of God to be done. Praise the Lord. And we will see the will of God done because we will pray accordingly. Scripture saith, this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have the petitions we desired of Him. We know that we know, that we know. That's no so, no so faith. Praise God. That's not hope so. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's no so faith. Praise the Lord. Revelation seven thirteen and 14 in closing today. We proclaim that our righteousness is solely dependent upon the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Glory be to God. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Come on, give me the answer. Say it. Say it if, if you're not where people will think you're... Well, just say it anyway. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That refrain is so biblically true, theologically accurate, but most most important, personally relevant to you and me to remember and never forget. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. And because the price was so very, very precious, the ransom price to get us free from Satan's stronghold and prison house and get us into the kingdom of, of God's dear Son and our Savior and Sovereign, Jesus Christ. Listen, friend, in the economy of God, there's no wage relationship with God. Spiritually speaking, you and I haven't earned anything but death and judgment. Like it or not, we're absolutely bankrupt. We're without eternal hope, without spiritual merit. We have nothing in our in ourselves that gives us favor in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. Everyone who hopes to be eternally justified must come to God the same way. The good, the bad, the ugly, all the above and all the in-between. On the basis of grace, it is a gift. And it's a gift that comes to us absolutely free. For we are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. No one in heaven 
that has been washed in the blood of the Lamb, saved by grace, is going to be talking about their good works, all the things they did for God and for people. They're going to be talking about one thing and one thing alone. I am here because of the shed blood of Jesus. They're not going to be talking about themselves. They're going to be talking about one person and one person alone. I am here. I am here because of what Jesus did for me at the cross. And they're going to be talking about the creator of heaven and earth. They're going to be talking about God as their heavenly father, not the force in the universe, not the man upstairs, but our heavenly father who loved us enough to give us his only begotten son, according to John 3.16. We never outgrow that. You might have learned that at Sunday school class, and you might have got a star by your name or a little gift. A friend of mine, this scripture is giving us a view of just the length God was willing to go to save you and to save me. And it's supposed to provoke us to love (laughs) have that first love kindled if it's never been and rekindled if it needs to be. Dear friend of mine, when that love is kindled for God, that love is rekindled by the Holy Spirit, amen, and our expression of gratitude is a total surrender to God, offering our body, the whole of our being, the receptacle for our soul and spirit, all included, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And then not letting the world overcome us, but being world overcomers, not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. What is that? After all, when we follow Jesus, we seek to be more and more like him. That's what a disciple is. He doesn't just know what his teacher is telling him. He is seeking to be what his teacher is, who his teacher is, to be just like him. And God's will is, in Romans 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, He did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. The Bible said we're to put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of our, in the spirit of our mind and put on the new man. Who is this new man? Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. It's this understanding and appreciation of the price that was paid that would cause us, provoke us to love Him back enough to offer our body, the whole of our being, a living sacrifice, holy, set apart for God and God alone. That's where sanctification occurs, cleansed and set apart for a holy purpose, whom He did foreknow. Let me back it up. Let's put it in context. Romans 8.28 is very familiar. Do you know what it says? 
Romans 8.28. <laughs> it's the knot at the end of the rope. Like they used to say, when you get to the end of the rope, tie a knot in it and hold on. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. Everything that touches our life, He's able to subdue it to this divine predestined purpose for every child of God, no exceptions. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. The New Testament talks about us through the fivefold ministry in the church that God has given. Amen. That, that we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. No, but grow up into Him who is the head to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus. Be ye followers of God, imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love even as Christ. It's always about becoming more and more progressively like Jesus. Hallelujah. And when we offer ourselves in, in dedication and devotion, we're like soft clay. Delight yourself in the Lord. <laughs> He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, don't set your, your heart won't be set. Hey, I'm not saying he won't give you a new car, a new home, or he may give you many material gifts, but that's, that's not what your heart is going to be hungering for. Hallelujah. You're going to be hungering. Amen. To be more and more like the one who gave his life for you, and the God who gave him, that he might do that in our behalf. And the God who accepted this ransom price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I urge you today to revisit the cross, look up, spiritually speaking, and see him writhing in pain, and yet not coming off that cross. He could have. He could have. He could have avoided the cross. But he said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. And for the joy that was set before him, he saw you. He saw me. He saw the end from the beginning. He saw us coming to the cross and coming to Christ, coming to Jesus and having our sins forgiven, helpless, hopeless sinners on our way to a devil's hell in eternity. He saw us. Truly, when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. Oh, friend, I'm so glad to be a preacher of this great good news today. Hallelujah. 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 Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... You can come to this cross. You can receive this Christ. You can have your sins forgiven. You can be reconciled unto God. You can wash your robe stained with sin and make it white in the blood of the Lamb. In the blood of the Lamb. And every spot, every, every sin will be washed away. What can wash away my sin? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power. There's power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Because a price was paid for you and a price was paid for me. If you don't receive Christ and never repent of your sin, refuse His invitation to come. Come and be forgiven. Come and be washed. Come and be cleansed. Come and be saved. He has paid a price to redeem you. Whether you come and accept this gift or you shove Him away and choose darkness over light, Satan over God, sin over Jesus. I urge you to come to Jesus today. As the song says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Come and be saved today in Jesus' name. And dear Christian, if you never loved the Lord with a deep devotion, you know the scripture says, whom having not seen you love with joy unspeakable, full of glory. That occurs when the first love is kindled in our heart. There's nothing like that high. (laughs) Oh Lord, there's nothing like that joy. Come and rekindle, if need be, the first love in Jesus' name.